Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. It's great having all of you listeners with us today, and like what we do on Wednesdays, we like to go back and revisit a sermon, and we have just launched our theme for this year, and it's entitled Bringing the Best, and so both Jason and I, early into this year, are just kind of layering different lessons about that, and Jason brought forth just a really good lesson titled For the Sake of His Name, and we're going to walk through that lesson here in just a moment. Uh, I really thought it was one of your better lessons I've heard in a long time, not that the others are not good, but it's just (laughs) some lessons just stand out, and this one just really stood out, and I really really encourage our listeners, if you haven't listened to that, to go to our website and grab that. And so that that makes us just kind of go down this little alley for a moment about sermons. Um, some sermons stand out, some don't, some we remember for a long time, some we forget before we get to the back door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of times we gauge the, the value of a sermon on the delivery. And what about that, Jason? What's what's your thoughts about that? Well, when I think of the power of delivery, I mean, there is no doubt about the fact the spoken word, uh, you and I both look up to D. Bowman, who for many, many years talked about the power of the spoken word to storm the will. Uh, he, he would routinely describe that as the aim of a sermon. It's not just the, the dispensing of information. It's, it's not just to entertain you for a little while, tickle your fancy, and then, you know, send you on your way. But the goal is to connect what God has revealed with the wills of human beings. Um, at the same time, I think of how the Apostle Paul described himself, and he readily admits in letters that in person, he was largely unimpressive. <laughs> he described his some of his letters as weighty, but uh, in person, in the eyes of many, many, many people, especially those who would describe themselves maybe as learned or sophisticated, uh, he was largely unimpressive. And so I think there is truth on both sides of this, that we who step into a situation like that need to To borrow from our theme for the year, we need to bring our best. But I do think we need to bring our best. We we don't need to try and be someone else. The Lord doesn't need me to try and be you or vice versa or, or anyone else. He needs to be me as he has created and wired me and to bring my best. But any time either intentionally or inadvertently, we make it about ourselves. I think we're treading on dangerous territory. I'm sure you, like I, have have heard for many, many years, it's an old idea, probably Restoration Era or even uh, earlier, that uh, the, the one who would step into the pulpit needs to hide himself behind the cross. And I, 
I, I like that idea. Yeah, you know, when, when we look at uh, how Apollos is described in the Bible, he's described as eloquent men, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul never was. I, I sometimes wonder if we had the Apostle Paul today for a gospel meeting, if some folks would say, man, I didn't get much out of this, <laughs> you know? And, and there is a sense in which I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on the delivery mm-hmm. and not the content. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we need to remind ourselves, listen to what is said. And a lot of times the delivery can be just the outside box. And you think about a birthday present or Christmas present, it's wrapped real pretty and, and it's got a pretty bow on it and everything. But there may not be anything on the inside. Right. And so uh, we've got to make sure there's something on the inside. And so that's really a, a, a two-part concept there. And that's the idea that the preacher needs to do his best. And he's going to always learn and, and learn from others and grow about public speaking. Because that's what it is. It's public speaking. But beyond just public speaking, it's not just a speech class. It's the idea that he is trying to persuade people, as right. Paul would say in Corinthians. And so, so the, the thrust of the sermon isn't the stories or the cliches or the pretty pictures he puts up on the screen. The, the thrust of the sermon is, is the scriptures. Yeah. And, and, and we've got to keep that before us. We, we can fall to shallow, shallow depths when we just start thinking about, um, I like this guy because uh, I like the way he talks. Mm-hmm. Well, be careful of that because we need to remind ourselves it's the, it's the message. What is said is so important. Now, now having said that, before we get back to your lesson, how would you, how would you advise somebody to get the most out of a sermon? Now, we preachers put a lot of time into the writing of our sermons and the note cards and the PowerPoint. There's hours and hours and hours going to all that stuff. But somebody shows up Sunday morning. Uh, how would you tell them? Here, here's a way you can get the most out of this sermon. Yeah, well, if we go back to Jesus's most foundational parable, that parable of the sower, what we're looking for is good and honest hearts, right? And no one can do that for me, and I can't make someone's heart good and honest. But you think about that that phrase that Jesus gives us in contrast to, for instance, a hard heart like seed falling on rock or a, a distracted heart like a seed that falls among thorns and it's the cares and riches and pleasures of life or, or maybe just a really shallow heart that uh, uh, has the, the birds that can easily swoop down and and get that seed. You know, there's all sorts of ways that we can have those sorts of hearts, hearts that are very much consumed by sin and unwilling to turn. And so they are hard hearts or hearts that just didn't get enough rest the night before or the week before. Hearts that are anxious and troubled by many things, to borrow Jesus's words to Martha. Hearts that are just full of all sorts of things. Maybe not necessarily sinful things, but just a whole lot of mediocre or good things. And and so when we think about getting the most out of a sermon that's something, just like the preacher is called to bring his best as listeners, we are called to bring 
our best. Obviously, there are circumstances sometimes where we didn't get as much rest as we would have liked to, or we have a very busy full plate on the the horizon in the week ahead of us. But being intentional the night before, being intentional first thing Sunday morning, maybe Sports Center or cable news isn't the best way to begin Sunday morning. Maybe just listening to secular music on the way to the church building isn't the best way to prime my heart. Maybe quiet time or or listening to recordings of hymns or just talking with family members about what we're looking forward to and what a blessing this is. Anything that we can do, arriving with plenty of time, getting ourselves settled, making sure we're ready when we gather together in our church family and read from the book of Psalms, we're unhurried, we're, we're not distracted. Just a whole lot of this has to do with prepping the soil of our own hearts. Yeah, I, I like Psalms 100. It, the way the way it flows, it, it sounds as if the people of Israel are outside of Jerusalem and they're heading to Jerusalem to worship. And so as they approach, they, they are shouting uh, words that make them think of God. They're singing praises. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about them entering the gates. And and so, so you, you get this idea that they're getting closer and closer to where the temple or the tabernacle tabernacle would be and they're just they're just, it's kind of like the pregame mm-hmm. and, and we understand that in the game in the area of football the pregame you know you go to some parking lots and man the grills are going the people got their <laughs> uniforms on and the radio's playing they're talking about the game and everyone's getting psyched up for the game well there's a sense in which we can be psyched up to worship god and you know it's hard sometimes just to flip that switch from everything secular and everything worldly to just thinking about God. And so that pre-game, that pre-worship warm-up we go through, that has a lot to do with what we get out of worship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think whether we talk about you know the sermon or the singing or just the whole aspect of worship itself, that's something we need to put before us. And that's, uh, that's just a good reminder of us as we think about these things. Well, let's talk for a moment about this great sermon, For the Sake of His Name. Let's, let's just walk through this. And you highlight what the sermon was about, and then we'll talk about some things. Sure. We have a graphic that we use, a different graphic every year, that just perpetually reminds our church family of our theme for the year. And, of course, uh, the Sunday before, first, or the last Sunday, actually, of 2023, you introduced that theme, Bringing the Best. And right smack dab in the middle of that graphic, we've got the the picture of the back of a truck, like something is being transported or hauled. And on the back of that truck, we've got a section of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And I, I didn't want too much time to pass by as we were introducing this theme uh, without drawing attention to that verse. And so my my real goal was to try and really highlight that idea. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Most all of us have heard that before. What got me thinking was, okay, to the glory of God. What, 
what does that mean and why does that matter? And and that kind of sent me off on a, 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 a hunt through the Bible. And I landed on this phrase that's used over and over again, for the sake of his name. I, I won't rehearse all of the verses we looked at. You can go back and revisit the sermon. But the idea really is whether we're talking about God not forsaking his people or God being our leader and our, our guide, God delivering, even atoning for our sins, forgiving us of our iniquities, over and over again, Old and New Testaments attach this phrase to those good news ideas, for the sake of his name. Uh, I am not the main character in the Bible. There's not any of us as human beings who are the heroes of that story. God is the sun, if you will, around which all of these things orbit and and revolve. And so that led us just to five basic practical points that I encouraged people to keep in mind as this year begins. Number one, your life is not about you. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, we are called to do this to the glory of God. God. And then I move from there. 2024 is not about you. Uh, Paul says much the same sort of thing in Colossians chapter 3, that we are to work, we are to live, we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That led us to a reminder that the church of Jesus Christ It doesn't revolve around me. He's the head, right? It's his body. I'm invited to be a member of that by his grace, but I am one very small part of something much larger than myself. Uh, We made that local. This local church family at Charlestown Road is not first and foremost about me or or, or anyone else. Uh, There are certainly blessings that come from being a part of it, but this is about the Lord. We just really tried to hammer that home and ended with, and yet God so loved me, he so loved you, that he gave his own son, but it's all tied to the praise of his glorious grace. That's a theme that we need to maybe spend a little bit more time thinking about, and I, I appreciate the kind words about the sermon. Well, you know, the 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 thing that really got me running through that sermon, and, and I hadn't really noticed as as you had brought that out, is, is that little phrase, for the sake of his name. Yeah. The name of God is important. Our names are important. Our names identify us. When we meet somebody for the first time, one of the very first things we do is tell them our name. When we are in some place and our name is mispronounced, we will correct <laughs> that person. Uh, my daughter, when she was a little girl, her name is Sarah. She would always tell people it's Sarah with an H. She was very <laughs> proud of that, which I'd always follow. It's Roger with an R. There you, you know? go. <laughs> Just, but, but, but our names mean a lot. Now, when we think about the name of God, uh, God is very protective of his name. And in, in the Ten Commandments, there were some specific commandments about the name of God. Right. Um, what, what are we to make of that? I mean, is it just the idea that make sure you pronounce his name right? Or 
what you know what are we seeing there yeah well i I mean this is a deep deep glorious rabbit hole right you mentioned the ten commandments you you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain of course that is in the same book where uh, a few chapters earlier in exodus chapter three moses asks this being who is communicating with him from a bush that is burning and is not consumed if i go and i tell the people of Israel that you've sent me and they ask what is his name what should I say to them and that's where God says to Moses I am who I am tell them I am has sent me to you and of course that speaks to his nature he has always been, he is, he will always be, he is everywhere, he knows everything, he is the supreme being. But you read carefully all the way into those Ten Commandments and, of course, well beyond And it's about so much more than just being careful to get the order of the words right or 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 the right pronunciation. As best I can tell, these people were to be carriers of that name, representatives of that name. Israel, even the name of that nation, spoke to this God and his working in the the lives of their forefathers and what he had promised to be in their lives. And what made him most upset was when they said, we are the people of this God, but lived as if either he wasn't there or he didn't care or they really lived as if it was all about them. How much more then for disciples of Jesus who bear the name of Christ, Christians, we are to live a certain way. We are to carry that name with honor. We we heard on Sunday Paul telling servants in Colossians chapter 3, listen, you work as if you are working for the Lord. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so really it is an awareness that I am not my own. I belong to someone else. That's a glorious blessing and privilege but this also comes with great responsibility. It's interesting as you go through some of the names in the Old Testament, uh, people like Daniel and Isaiah, and the ending of their name was a was a form of God. Right. And, and so they, they were given godly names, godly characteristics, and, 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 th- and that's kind of unique to see that. It's interesting also that you cannot really separate the name of God from God. Yeah. And, and so to, to trash the name of God is to trash God himself. That, that, that's something the Bible really makes very clear is that there is no separation between his name and who he is. So when we get to passages like Colossians 317, one of the great verses you use in this right. lesson, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we think about that great commission, Matthew chapter 28, where the Lord says to baptize in the name of the right. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, is is that just uh, supposed to be an expression I say as I baptize somebody 
Or what does that mean, to do all or do something in the name of Jesus? Yeah, well, I I think inherent is the idea of recognizing his authority, right? We we understand, even while we're recording, if someone comes and bangs on the outside of the door and says, open up in the name of the law, what they are communicating with those words is, I have the right to tell you to open this door. It, not, mean, it not, means you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm running. (laughs) (laughs) Not because of, you know, who I am necessarily or, you know, my education or my my pedigree, but I... I have been entrusted by someone in authority with the authority of the law. And I mean, the, the emphasis I really think falls on do everything in the name. He doesn't just say of Jesus in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's just a reminder that whether I live in first century Colossae or 21st century Southern Indiana, I have a Lord, and I am to live beneath his authority. Uh, I am respecting who he is, but I am also living for the sake of his glory. This is all about him, not about me. Yes, I love that. Love that. And that, and that's just important for us to grab and understand. It's not just a little phrase, little catchphrase that God gives us and say, here, here's a little thing to put on your pillows or something or put on a wall. It, it, it's a, it's a mindset. Yeah. That what I'm doing is I'm doing it by the authority of God. I'm following the Lord. The Lord is the Lord of my life. Now, in your, in your applications, you, as you just have went through them, your life is not about you, but particularly that, that phrase there, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not revolve around you. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that because we have a lot of our listeners who, yeah. who will be assembling this evening. First of all, what does it look like if someone believes the church revolves around me? What, what well, does that look like? It looks like a consumer. It looks like I, I go across, in our context, I, I, I go across the street to Meyer. I, I have to pick up a couple of things, and in front of me, a little toddler knocked over three boxes of Cheerios and stepped on one of the bags, and the Cheerios just spread all over the place, and I'm just going to walk right by and, you know, if I step in the Cheerios and make an even bigger mess, well, you know, this isn't my house. This is just a business I drop in on. It's somebody else's responsibility, and I'm just here as a consumer. We we could describe that mindset in all sorts of ways. We we see that all over the place. You're uh, walking across the parking lot of the gas station, and there's a can sitting there piece of trash. Well, you know, why should I bend over and pick that up? That's that's somebody else's responsibility. Somebody else gets paid to do those sorts of things. And there are far, far, far too many people who have a consumeristic mindset when it comes to the church. I, I come here. Somebody is paid to do all of the work. I sit here. I expect to be catered to. I expected to be treated as the customer and the customer is always right. And it's all about customer satisfaction. And if I don't get what I'm looking for, I'll just go to the next one down the street. And that is not 
the biblical picture no, of the Lord's and, church. And, you know, I went to a movie the other night, and and it, it's very much like sitting in a movie theater. Here I am, serve me. Mm-hmm. It better be comfortable in here. It better be something I want. It better be as long as I want. And then when I'm done, I'm done, and I'm not going to think about this place anymore. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's that consumer or the mentality of selfishness. Uh, here am I, serve me. And that's not what the Bible teaches. No. And so. And so when we get this understanding of God's great name and who the Lord is, we'll move away from that. And one of the greatest ways we do that is when we learn to become a disciple. Yeah. Uh, Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, uh, if anyone wants to come after me, let him first deny himself, take up of his cross, and follow me. There's a lot of folks today who want to flip that passage around. I want to follow Jesus. I might take up my cross, but I'm still going to be me. And, and that's not the order the Lord gave it. It began first by denying yourself. It's not about what I want, what I need. What does this church offer for me? What can I get from this? I mean, that, that's that consumer mindset. It's more like, what can I do to help you? How can I encourage you? How can I honor Jesus? That's, that's the mindset that we need to have as we think about that. And that, that's so important as we would think about this lesson because uh, we live in a very, very self-centered society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just worked on some articles the other day where I just saw, as it's talking about uh, Gen Z, Generation Z, and how college professor after professor has been fired recently because uh, the students complained the classes were too hard <laughs> and the professors wouldn't give them greater, better grades even though they didn't get those grades. And so the universities are catering to that, they're lowering the standards, and that was a concern of those things. And so, so when we think about that, that's not how God operates, and that's not putting God first in our life. And we need to bring our best, as our theme is this year, and to focus on those things. And that that will help us as we continue to walk with these things here. What else would you have to add, Jason? Well, I just appreciate the feedback. I mean, it is. Um it is one of those sermons. It's not a, well, you know, three steps to do this. It was more a conceptual idea, but such a foundational idea. And I shared with our church family Sunday morning, I just really hope every time we have that big graphic bringing the best, we take a moment to remind ourselves of the verse on the back of that truck, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what 2024 is to be all about. And if we'll adopt that, it will be a good year in his service. Absolutely. Well, this is Wednesday and we're launching new classes today as we begin uh, our new quarter of the year. And Jason, what are you teaching? We in our Building Blocks track of studies are going to begin a little four-part series just asking, who is the Holy Spirit? You haven't missed a thing. Lesson one is tonight at 7 o'clock p.m., and I'm looking forward to that little series. What about you in the auditorium? Well, we're again, we're launching a new class, and, and this class is going to follow our theme of bringing the best. We're going to talk about expectations. We're going to talk about what God expects. We're going to talk about what we ought to expect, and just kind of just kind of layer those those lessons with the idea of expectations. 
the sermon tennis ball for Sunday morning gets hit back into your court. You're going to be preaching 9.30 a.m. And we're going to talk about a little story with a big heart. Again, just bouncing off our theme of bringing the best. There's a little four-verse a story in the book of Mark, and man, is it powerful. And that's what we're going to talk about. A little story with a big heart. Lord willing, 5 o'clock p.m., I'm going to talk about a four-part battle plan for the war against temptation. Every once in a while, we just need reminders, preps as to how to deal with temptation when it comes our way. So that is what I'm looking forward to this Sunday at 5 o'clock p.m. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for the very encouraging feedback, and thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 